Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Thank you for downloading the latest episode of Positively Trek. We could not do this podcast without the support of our Patreon supporters, including Carl Morris, Joyce Marin, and Jim Stoffel. If you'd like to support the podcast, please go to patreon.com slash positivelytrek. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, shoutouts, associate producer credits, and more. Thank you so much for your support. And with that, let's get on with the show. I am so stoked because we've had... Star Trek Lower Decks premiere season two, and I'm still feeling the effects of this new Star Trek that is now in our lives right now. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm so happy to have new Star Trek back. And and like I said in our Lower Decks episode, that Lower Decks is just such a nice way to get back into the Star Trek groove, right? Like it's so refreshing, it's fun, it's irreverent, it doesn't take itself too seriously. It's just such a refreshing way to come back to the Star Trek universe. And I want to welcome everyone to Positively Trek. I'm Bruce Gibson with Dan Gunther. And yeah, groove, that's the thing. We're back in the groove because this is a long groove. It's not just Lower Decks, but this is the start of Lower Decks leading into Prodigy at some point, right? We don't know when that's coming, but we know it's soon. Leading then into Discovery Season 4, leading into whatever, Picard or Strange New Worlds, whatever that next thing's going to be. We, Yeah, we're just starting the groove. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited. Last year, we had the 23 straight weeks of Trek. They haven't advertised it this that way this year or anything like that but i'm wondering if we're gonna have like just a long string of star trek uh from now till who knows when i I don't know i hope that's the case and i would think if there is a break it would be a short break yeah maybe it's like oh there's a month in between something but i don't see it being months of waiting for something new coming out i feel like we're on a good run for a while Mm -hmm. absolutely but so yeah i want everybody to check out if you haven't already Episode number 128, where we do talk about the season two premiere of Lower Decks, and we go into spoilers. We talk about the whole episode, so check that out. So, yeah, exciting times. And so that's one of the things we want to talk about here on today's show. We have a bunch of news items and Discovery Season 4 information that we've got. We've got things that you can actually purchase from the set of Discovery, some props and costumes. We also have something on Strange New Worlds. And, of course, we've got some book stuff about the CODA trilogy. So, yeah, stick around. At the end, we're also going to talk about Tarantino's new Star Trek movie, which doesn't sound like we're going to get, but we have a little something we want to discuss on that. So let's start with the very first thing that we have here on our list, and that is that we have that Star Trek Discovery Season 4 is not quite done yet with filming. But they're mm-hmm. pretty much done. They've already wrapped. It's just, you know, there's little final like retakes or shoot another scene here or there, that kind of thing, which isn't a big surprise. 
Yeah, absolutely. They did say that uh, when they wrapped that some of the people would have to go back for pickup shots and that sort of thing. This news story seems to be a little bit more. So on Saturday, Toronto Filming reported that filming could continue into October now for Star Trek Discovery. That's not yet been confirmed, but it looks like there are some new reshoots and stuff happening with some of the actors from season four. So that's interesting. I'm sure some people will latch onto that by saying like, oh, reshoots, you know, blah, blah, blah. Oh my gosh, the production's in trouble. Because whenever something goes back for reshoots, it seems that those voices take that as a bad sign. But I honestly don't know any production from the last however long that I've been following any of this that hasn't gone back for reshoots, whether that's a big buck, Buster film or a Star Trek series or whatever. So this is pretty situation normal, I think. I mean, it's like final touches, right? Imagine painting a room and Mm -hmm. you're done painting the room and then you watch it dry and then you walk in, you look around, you go, oh, maybe missed a spot there. Oh, this could use just a little touch up here or, you know, you make a little adjustment. That's all this is. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You're in the editing room, you're in post-production, you're looking at stuff, and then you're just saying, hey, you know, it would have been great maybe if we reworked the scene maybe a little different, or maybe we need to add a scene just to clarify something, or just, I mean, there's just those small things you're putting in. It doesn't mean you have a troubled production and and the show isn't working, and it's not, but hey, there are times it does happen that way, Mm -hmm, you know. Absolutely. But this is no indication of that. Yeah, if anything, I find that like if a production cares enough to get it right, that they go back to fix some stuff or tighten some things, like that's usually a good sign to me, rather than like saying, ah, good enough and putting it out there. (laughs) Well, and Michelle Paradise, who is the executive producer and showrunner of Discovery, seems to be tweeting a lot of things that reveal this type of information to us. She's the one who's giving the little hints that, hey, you know, we're going out and we're doing some of our last few weeks of filming. And she says in a tweet that she'll try to post some non-spoilery pics from the set. And she does tweet one thing out there that is just a bunch of just dirt and rocks with a construction cone. And that's all you see that doesn't reveal anything. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. If you do want to see some of these non-spoilery tweets and stuff, of course you should be following Michelle Paradise on Twitter because she does tweet a lot of those Again, not revealing much because, you know, they're not allowed, but it's just at Michelle Paradise, uh, but without the E on the end of Paradise. So, uh, yeah, it's a fun Twitter account to follow for sure. And then one of the actresses uh, that played Tarina, the president of Navarre, she uh, it's Tara Rosling. She was at 55 Year Mission, which, by the way, just ended and which we weren't at. <laughs> I'm crying about that. But anyway. Um, yeah, she's doing some reshoots. So, so we're going to see more of her character, obviously, in this upcoming season. Yeah, and it's interesting because uh, she was recalled uh, from 55-Year Mission to do some of these reshoots. So uh, she was on a panel on Wednesday, and she was scheduled to be signing autographs at the convention all week. But... <laughs> on Friday, a sign went up at her autograph table saying Tara was called back to set by CBS with the words, yes, filming more Discovery underneath. So uh, this seems to have been kind of a bit of a surprise for the actress, perhaps. So interesting. 
imagine that you're at STLV and you're just enjoying the weekend and all of a sudden you get called to work mm-hmm. and you have to leave. <laughs> Either way, you're getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> you're getting paid, but you're also getting paid to leave to go be in Star Trek. So I wouldn't complain about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, oh, more scenes with me in Star Trek? Sure, I'll be there. <laughs> kind of a dream job, right? I mean, you know, you're either on screen in Star Trek, which of course is work, and, and to a lot of these actors, it's just a job, or you're on stage at Vegas and meeting fans and that kind of thing. It, it would be fun. It would be a lot of fun for sure. That's a good point. You know, you're at this convention. And all these fans are applauding you when you're on stage. They're coming up to you. They want your autograph. You really start to feel that, you know, wow, you know, all the work I've done on the show is really appreciated. And I have all these people who are such fans of this character. And you really start taking that in. So when you get that call to go back to the set to play this character, I'm sure she has a new appreciation for it than she did before. You know, she's just coming off of this high of fandom and she's walking in there going, I'm about to give them more. And it probably means more to her. Yeah. And you can probably channel that energy and enthusiasm that that high you get from that into the character, which I guess if you're if you're the ruler of a planet of Vulcans and Romulans, maybe you want to kind of rein that in a little bit. But still, that's pretty cool. Well, it's a different century. I mean, she could be like a crazy Vulcan, like maybe Vulcans of the 32 century squeal, you know, mm-hmm. like with excitement and joy. Yeah. And, and I mean, she might be part Romulan. Who knows? Right. Right. So she could go back to Vulcan or Tavar and just be like, this is fun. And people are like, that's not very Vulcan or Romulan of you, but <laughs> it's the 32 century, 32nd century. Things are different then. Right. So. I don't know. But, you know, here's the other thing. Kenneth Mitchell was also at STLV. And he was on stage and with Mary Chifo. And I'm just telling you, I wasn't there. I haven't seen it. But I'm sure I would have lost it. I'm mm-hmm. sure I would have been bawling my eyes out. This, this guy, his story is just so touching. And his positive energy of going through everything he's been through with ALS. And he's in a wheelchair. And now he can't even speak. He's using a computer uh, for his voice. And, I mean, the love and support he's getting from this community, and not just the community, from the production staff, from the cast, from the creators of the show. And he revealed this one very little sentence, said it all. He says, I appear in season four in a very unique way. Mm-hmm. And I mean, how touching is that, that he can't even speak, he can't walk now, and they're still getting him in the show. They're still supporting him. I mean, that's yeah. that's going to mean a hell of a lot to him. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, since we last talked about this, the Discovery Season 3 Blu-rays, I did get a chance to watch uh, the special features and the the documentary on there about Kenneth Mitchell and what he's been going through and what Star Trek means to him was incredibly touching and and yeah i was i was a bit of a bawling mess <laughs> watching that and i i can't imagine what it would have been like to be in the room there at vegas as as he was giving this uh this talk here and to know that he's in season four i i was already blown away by his appearance in season three the character of aurelio i thought he was terrific in that i really can't wait to see what they have for him for season four 
he's an incredible person and just a wonderful man. And, and I'm so, my heart just breaks for what he's going through, but the outpouring of love and support that this fandom has for him really makes me proud to be a Star Trek fan and uh, very, very happy that we have the caliber of people uh, in, in this fandom and as well as our stars like Kenneth Mitchell, who are just give so much of themselves and, uh, I, I'm just going to, st- I'm rambling now, but I, I'm really blown away by this story and by the incredible bravery of this guy. Yeah. And I hope, you know, if he's listening, you know, I hope he heard all this and I mean, I doubt that he listens, but who knows? You never know. But yeah, I mean, just again, more love. I mean, there's so much love from this community and we're just, that's, that's the thing about the show. Positively track. It's about our positivity about this franchise and about one another. It's not just about Star Trek, but just about you know, the world, you know, we just want to be positive about things. We're trying to look at the bright side and, and take those things that aren't good and make them better and just show support. That's, you know, just us talking sometimes is just enough to help someone who's going through a bad time. And that's part of the reason we do this. Mm-hmm. Definitely for sure. And, you know, David Cronenberg, who plays Kovich on season three of discovery, he may be listening too. I doubt that. <laughs> I, I would be blown away if don't David Cronenberg listened to Positively Trek. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe he's not listening because he may be busy returning to Star Trek Discovery in season four. We did see him in the teaser trailer, so we know his character's coming back. But he did reveal in an interview with Entertainment Weekly where he was discussing all his other projects. But he does say about the unique way of shooting discovery a tv series how there's different directors but they have to keep the same style and it's not like a movie where a director can bring so much of their own creative vision to something you have to honor in a tv series how the series is shot and done so you you have to keep with that kind of create creative element to the series throughout so there's consistency but regardless of that he does mention that he'll be back for three episodes so we're going to get not just like a one one appearance from him in this season. We're going to see him three times. Oh, so excited for this. I loved the mystery surrounding his character last season. That was one of my favorite things was the speculation. What's his job? What does he do? And we never really got that answer. Uh, at the end, he's like advising the um, the admiral at the end. And he's talking with Giorgio and he's doing all this stuff. Who knows what his job is? I don't know. I don't know if I'm excited whether we find out this year or not, or whether I want them to keep the mystery. But three more appearances, I'm on board for it because he was such a delightful surprise in season three of Discovery. I love I love me some more Kovic in season four. <laughs> love me some more Kovic. <laughs> that should be a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Love me some good old Kovic. Well, I, you know, it's interesting you say about mystery because his personality is a little different. You know, he has that mysterious kind of personality that it almost makes sense to keep the character mysterious. Like, don't reveal anything like it, it's going to suck if we end Discovery not knowing what his position is. But at the same time, it might be good. Yeah. Well, Christopher L. Bennett will write a novel explain, explaining it all, though. So. <laughs> Right. <laughs> That's how we found out who Future Guy is. That you know, yeah, we'll we'll figure it out from him. <gasps> Maybe he's Future Guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we still have a bit of mystery to Guinan still. That's true. 
And I mean, Kovic is ripe for this, you know, and maybe he even knows Kynan. I remember one of the big speculations last season was that he's an Elorian and is very old and maybe was around when the last contact with the mirror universe was or something like that. So who knows? It could be anything, anybody. Yeah, I love the mystery. I think just a few little hints would be enough, but not reveal anything, you know? Just enough that you think, I think we're pretty sure he might be blah, 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 blah. We're not 100% sure, but it seems to be that way. That, I think, would be the nice balance. Mm -hmm. We'll see. So, Dan, the other thing. We're on a discovery roll here. Yeah, big discovery day on Positively Trek, for sure. (laughs) Positively discovery. So, there's a props auction coming up in September. And it's auctioning off items from Star Trek Discovery Seasons 1 and 2. It's an online auction, and it will feature 200-plus items from those seasons. Now, this auction has taken place from September 2nd through the 16th. And not only that, but it will be items from some of these Star Trek short treks that we've seen. So... Some of these items here that they list are all the more pricier ones because they're all in the thousands. (laughs) And I'm like, I said to my wife this morning, I said, hey, we can buy Michael Burnham's command uniform from season one. And she looks at me and she's like, "Okay, how much would it be? I'm like, well, they're estimating three to five thousand dollars. And I got a quick no after that. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's funny, whenever they have these auctions and they give these estimates, the actual final selling price seems to be even higher than what the estimates are. I, I feel like, believe it or not, as high as these prices are, I always feel that these prices are to entice people to come in. Oh, I can get it for only this? Let me go in and bid on it. And then the prices generally tend to be a little bit higher than this, I notice. So we could be looking at even heftier price tags for some of these. So have you ever bought anything from an auction like this that was uh, <laughs> items from a set? No. <laughs> they are always way out of my price range. Uh, I could not justify it. I would love to have some of these in my collection, but I've I've never, never done that, no. Well, I mean, because a lot of the things they list here are primarily costumes and chairs from ships, you know, uh, phasers, And like I said, they're on the thousands, but we're told there's 200 plus items. So I would think there's really small things that would be fairly affordable. But do those, I guess those probably at least run into the hundreds. I would say like the smallest things are probably still going to be into the thousands. I mean, for example, one of the items here is the Harry Berry cereal box with tribbles on it from Short Treks. And their estimated price for that is $1,500 to $2,500. So, you know, and it'll probably sell for more than that. So I don't see like even the smallest things being less. I've I've never seen anything from one of these auctions being uh, in the hundreds of dollars. Now, who buys these things? I mean, I'm sure there's fans like us, but they've either A, have the money to spend or Mm -hmm. B, they don't have the money to spend, but they're willing to find the money somehow because it's that important to them to have this because their passion is so deep to have this. But then are there other people out there that are just have nothing really to do with Star Trek? They just buy this stuff and then try to sell in the market higher sometime at a later date? 
I'm sure those people exist. Yeah, for sure. I do know there are like a lot of private collectors that have kind of private run museums and stuff that they're looking to add things to and that sort of thing. Uh, as as well as people that just want it in their own private home collection and stuff. So I think it's all across the board. I think there's all kinds of people that bid and, and buy this sort of stuff. But I kind of have mixed feelings about it. I would love the idea that they keep these things and then use them in like traveling, you know, shows like museums and, and, and uh, conventions and such. I mean, we've seen, I've seen some of these things at STLV a couple of years ago. But, you know, I don't know. I kind of wish that it was there for all of us and not just in somebody's basement that, you know, isn't really that into it, but they're just looking to profit from it at some point. Mm-hmm. Well, like I said, a lot of a lot of them do go to people with like museum collections and that kind of thing. Uh, and I love when those when that happens, because then you can see like the models, obviously not any ship models used in Discovery, but you know, things like that and, and uniforms and that sort of thing on, on display in those museums. I, I do like that. Yeah. Well, hopefully we will get to see these items out in the wild at some point. But if you are lucky enough to bid on these and win something, you would do this through Prop Store. So search for Prop Store and you'll see a countdown. You can register right now. And then during those days, September 2nd through the 16th, you can be involved in the bidding. I probably will not be bidding, but I'm going to look. I'm going to look just to see if there's something <laughs> cheap enough. But to your point, I don't think that's going to be the case. Just to just to like imagine, right? Just to pretend that like, huh, interesting. Maybe I should put a bid on this. But obviously, yeah, out of my price range for sure. <laughs> Okay, so let's say, for example, because I said to my wife this morning about Michael Burnham's uniform, and I said, just imagine if we had it, we could try it on. And she says, <laughs> oh, it's not going to fit either one of us. <laughs> but, okay, but Christopher Pike's uniform, that's up for sale from season two. I mean, that would probably fit me. But if you got that, would you put it on, or would it be so pristine that you would just have to display it or put it away somewhere? Well, A, uh, it would never, ever fit me in a million years. Uh, and B, I, I wouldn't want to, yeah, I'd be worried about damaging it for sure. So, yeah. And by the way, Michael Burnham's uniform, I had the uh, distinct honor of getting my photo taken with her at STLV a few years ago, my wife and I. And she is much smaller than you think she is. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I feel like I none of these would fit me or, or people I know. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I'd have to get one that would at least come close to fitting me. I think, I think Christopher Pike's uniform would fit me. At least I could get it on. I, I think if I bought this, I would have to at least try it on once, just once. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't wear it out. No way. Cause I'm afraid I would ruin it. I would, I'd get something on it or, <laughs> you know, but I'd have to at least put it on. Can you imagine putting on the actual uniform that was worn? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I would take all kinds of pictures and say, hey, here's this for cosplay, people. Check this out. <laughs> uh, oh, wow. I wonder what they smell like. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they cleaned them. <laughs> I'm sure they did. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, interestingly, in addition to the Discovery and Short Trek stuff, there's also two items from the personal estate of Leonard Nimoy that are going up for auction here. A framed set of Spock years uh, from his cameo appearance in Star Trek Into Darkness, which, of course, was his final appearance in all of Star Trek. 
as well as apparently a Star Trek 25th anniversary pinball machine, which uh, Leonard Nimoy apparently owned. So uh, that's pretty cool. I imagine you could wear the ears and play on the pinball machine that Leonard Nimoy played on. That's pretty cool. Can you imagine your your fingers are hitting the pinball machine buttons that his fingers were doing? I'm trying <laughs> to even picture Leonard Nimoy playing pinball on a Star Trek pinball machine. <laughs> I could see it. I can actually see it. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be photos of that. Come on. <laughs> well, okay. Let's stop talking about season four of Discovery. We've given that enough attention because... It's time to talk about season five of Discovery. <laughs> you thought we were done with Discovery. Oh, no, 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 no. And guess what? Michelle Paradise is involved in this one, too. She's just great on Twitter. So there's this guy, and his name is Kyle Jero, and he is one of the writers on Discovery. His child had a birthday party recently, and he painted his face with some face paint. You know, that's what you do at children's birthday parties. You do the little face painting thing. And then he tweets it out like, hey, look at me. And Michelle Paradise responds, if you don't show up for the first day of the room with that exact look, I'll be seriously bummed. (laughs) Wait a second. Why would he go to the writer's room? Season four is already done. It's already written. They're just doing those final touches in production (gasps) wait a second that must mean that we're getting a season five for sure yeah absolutely so this was hinted at a couple years ago already when they announced season four so season four and five were kind of tied up together not confirmed but it seemed pretty sure but it's nice to get this absolute confirmation here uh the writer's room will reassemble for season five And uh, possibly soon. We don't know when exactly they're going to be getting together, but uh, the writing for season four was done in May. uh, And so their wide open season five writing could take place at any time. So very excited about this. I think that's the thing that's exciting to me. It's like you said, it wasn't necessarily the final confirmation and really neither is this. It's not the official confirmation. But I knew, yeah, we're we're more than likely getting the season five. You know, things could change. But this just shows that, hey, they're all on board. They're getting ready to come back to the writer's room, right? She wouldn't say that if that wasn't in her head. You mm-hmm. know? Do you think... Wait, so this is my prediction. I think... And maybe I've heard this somewhere. I think we'll get at least six seasons. Oh, okay. I hadn't heard that. Where, where was that from? I'm- I remember hearing something somewhere where someone said, <laughs> I don't know, maybe it was somebody who doesn't have any authority in this, but they said, we got three seasons of Burnham, not as captain, but then when she becomes captain, we'll get three more seasons of her as captain. So it'll be a 50-50. Oh, interesting. I hadn't heard that anywhere at all. That's, I don't know where I heard that. completely brand new news to me. Interesting. But, you know, I do sleep at night. And I have dreams. So sometimes <laughs> I can confuse those. But I thought I remember seeing that somewhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It may have just been speculation, probably, more than likely. But that, anyway. So that's not official news. Strike that from everybody's, you know, news heads right now. That's just speculation. All right. Let's talk about Strange New Worlds then. We've given enough credit to Discovery. <laughs> so Rebecca Romain, who plays number one on Strange New Worlds, revealed these custom jackets that she made for her fellow cast members with the USS Enterprise on them, and they light up. Bedazzled light-up Enterprises on the back. 
these are amazing. I mean, like, I love these, like the bling of these jackets. That's amazing. And and this group shot of them, the Enterprise is on the back of the jackets and uh, this group shot of them all kind of embracing with their backs, heads turned towards the camera. I, this is one of my favorite cast photos now. Or yeah. not cast, but like Strange New Worlds team photos. <laughs> well, I think it's the only one we've seen so far, right? Of the whole cast together. Yeah, absolutely. Like we still haven't seen any of the new cast in costume or anything like that. The stuff from the show has been very, very uh, slow to leak out. We don't see any of this. So this picture, like this is what we've got and I love it. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I'm so anxious to see this this series now. I mean, I always have been, but just seeing the cast together and they look like they're having fun. I just love it when Star Trek casts all seem to love each other. Yeah, definitely. Or maybe it's fake love in this shot. I don't know. <laughs> but I can't imagine Rebecca Romaine would make jackets like this for everybody if there wasn't love on the set. No, it definitely looks genuine. I, I definitely wouldn't want to say there, there's fake love on the set or anything like that. No, this <laughs> this looks genuine. They look like they're having a great time. Anson Mount, that guy just like, I love his energy. I, I love this photo. Well, I know somebody who would like to be with them, and that's Rain Wilson, who played Harry Mudd in Discovery. So he was at STLV and he was on stage and he's saying to bring Harry Mudd back. And he's already been in touch with Akiva Goldsman, who's working on Strange New Worlds. And he's saying, you know, hey, why don't you bring him back? And Akiva's like, I don't know. I would need to think about that. So <laughs> <laughs> it's out there is what Rain Wilson's saying. It's out in the ether. So I think he wants fans to jump on board and go, yeah, bring Harry Mudd back and do a whole campaign online to kind of get him back. And I mean, I would love to see him back, but I don't want it forced either. I, I you know, I, I, but it would be great to see Harry Mudd back. Definitely. It's funny because when Discovery was first announced and they were talking about before we'd ever seen anything of the show, they were saying that Harry Mudd would feature. That was one of the things I was most skeptical about. I just was like, ah, oh, do we really need to see this character again? Not a big fan. He doesn't, the character I don't think hasn't aged well and all this sort of stuff. But Rain Wilson just brought such an amazing energy and uh, just a new take on that character. And I ended up really loving his performance. And I mean, come on, it's Rain Wilson, right? I mean, Rain Wilson in Star Trek, how cool was that? So yeah, I'd be all for Harry Mudd's return. We got him twice in the first season of Discovery and in a short trek. Yeah, let's bring him back for Strange New Worlds. Have him be a thorn in Pike's side like he was in Kirk's. I think that'd be terrific. It's too bad that we won't see Rain Wilson more than likely with Jim Kirk. Because, of course, James T. Kirk isn't part of Strange New Worlds. But it would be funny if Rain Wilson was in a scene with Jim Kirk and got annoyed with him and just said, Jim, just like he did on The Office. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> But no, I mean, I'm I'm with you. I'm not a big Harry Mudd fan, but I really like what Rain Wilson brought to it. And I think it would be fun to see him in this role again and on Strange New Worlds. And it kind of connects even more with Discovery and with the original series to have him there. So, yeah, I mean, but I'm not going to get on Twitter and campaign for it. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, then it doesn't. But uh, yeah, I feel like it would be a good fit. But uh, yeah. 
I could go either way on it as well, I guess. Yeah. And if Rain Wilson is listening, which I'm sure he's not, but if he is, we would love to see you back. Mm-hmm. We just don't want Definitely. to force you back in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, if they come up with a great Harry Mudd story, I'm there because Rain Wilson can do no wrong in that character, I think. You know what, Rain, if you're listening, why don't you just campaign for your own Star Trek series? You know, Star Trek Harry Mud. You know, what's funny is that was going to be originally the very first spinoff of Star Trek. There was talk way back when of Roger C. Carmel headlining a Harry Mud series that would spin off of Star Trek. Gene Roddenberry apparently talked with him about it briefly. So, uh, you wow. know, Strange New Worlds is the actual pickup of the original Star Trek pitch with Captain Pike and number one and Spock. So, you know, a a Harry Mudd series would be like a pickup of that proposal way back in the 60s. So how cool would that be? You know, I don't know if I knew that about the Harry Mudd spinoff series. That's Mm -hmm. interesting. I don't think it got very far. I just know that Gene Roddenberry talked about it, like saying like, oh, that would be a good idea. Hmm. You know, so eh, you never know. Yeah, it could prove out. They could call it Star Trek Through Mud. That would be a good (laughs) title, I think. It's like Star Trek Into Darkness, Star Trek Through Mud. Hmm. I don't know. I'm I'm okay. I just love the novel so much that like this part that we're getting to now is what I'm really excited to talk about. We finally got the cover of book three to the Star Trek Coda trilogy of novels that are starting in September. So book one, September, book two is October, book three, which is this cover we just got, comes out in November. And this novel was written by David Mack, or when it comes out, it is written by David Mack. And on the cover, it has The Defiant, which I was shocked. That's the only ship on Oblivion's Gate is the Defiant. And I was sure that we were going to see either Voyager or Titan. Yeah, that was my speculation as well. I was leaning heavily in the direction of Titan, actually. But uh, yeah, Defiant was a surprise and a very welcome one. Probably my favorite starship in all of Star Trek. So I don't know why I didn't think of that. But I love this cover. So, of course, it's a triptych. It goes with the other two and creates one sprawling image of all three. And in this one, we see just the edge of the new Deep Space Nine in the corner and the Defiant flying across the front of the cover. But the front of the Defiant, it's like everything's kind of devolving into like blueprints or like going back to the drawing board or something like that. So it's kind of almost being deconstructed or something like that. So that really speaks to me about, you know, them maybe changing the timeline or it it changing into a new timeline or something like that. So I love this design. I think it's absolutely beautiful. I like what you said about going back to like the blueprints, going back to the drawing board. I didn't, I didn't think of it that way, but you're probably hitting it right on the mark. My impression when I saw that is it made me think of the comics because it looked like a drawing that you would, you know, use in a comic. Uh, It's not colored, so it does look more like blueprints. But I saw that thinking, are they also trying to, because we're talking maybe different timelines and realities in this, maybe even tie some stuff that we've gotten from the comics into the book somehow. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I I also like 
for me, it, the blueprint aspect of it really speaks to me because that's also what the uh, discovery opening credits were kind of based on. And they've said like going back to the basics, going back to the drawing board, reinventing Star Trek. That's kind of what this looks like to me too, is that similar thing. And even some of these like shapes, I was like, is that a dilithium crystal fly, flying by? Oh no, that's, that's Discovery's opening. But there's definitely similarities there. Yeah. So what do you think of all three covers together? Beautiful. I love them together. Yeah. I, I think it's terrific. Yeah. And again, I mean, we're really, it's very heavy on Deep Space Nine. You know, the two, the book two and three. And book one has got the Enterprise E. We're not seeing the Robinson. That was one of the things we speculated, possibly seeing. What other ships? I mean, of course, we said Voyager and Titan. But I, I don't think this necessarily means that it's going to be DS9 heavy in the story. You know, I mean, it may, but I don't think this represents that these are like the only ships that are going to be featured. I think this is just what was chosen for the covers. I also have to say the Enterprise on book one, they've they've redone the phaser and have it coming out of the right place now. So it it's moved back slightly to the ventral phaser strip rather than coming out of the torpedo tube. So that was a nice fix. I'm glad they did that. Now, I wonder if they did that because they knew they messed up or they knew they were going to change this all along. It was a temporary thing or they heard fans online and go, oh, crap, we need to change this. <laughs> Yeah, I think somewhere, like like with all cover designs, when they say the design's not final, they got feedback and did corrections and stuff. So I'm, I'm glad they did that. It looks much better. Well, I can't wait. I'm very excited about these books. Bring them on. I'm going to line them all up just like they have on this picture we're looking at of all three covers. And again, I'm going to say it like I always do. I want posters. I'll tell you what I really want. Because if I had posters of all different kinds of covers, I'd have way too many posters. I don't have wall for all that. I so really want a coffee table book of some of the best Star Trek covers and novels in history. Mm-hmm. That would be really cool. I'd definitely be in line to get that as well. I mean, I would go into that so big. I mean, I would love to have that. Why aren't they doing that? There are so many covers to choose from. Ugh. Probably, and But, you know, probably have to pay the artists and all that. Maybe it gets a little messy. I don't know. But dang, that please. Okay, here we go. Simon Schuster, if you're listening, <laughs> pick this coffee table book. You got two buyers right here. Absolutely. And we would be more than happy to review it thoroughly on the podcast as well. Uh, you know, an auditory medium <laughs> reviewing this very largely visual coffee table book. Maybe not the best fit, but we'd make it work. And uh, I'd feature it on my YouTube channel as well. Exactly. Sure. There you go. We get that on YouTube somehow. Yes. You'd have to do that. So, but okay. So Quentin Tarantino, if you're listening, we're going to talk about this movie idea that you had. Uh, that So the screenwriter, Mark L. Smith, that was working with you, Quentin, on the Star Trek concept, he was speaking to the people at Bulletproof Screenwriting Podcast and mentioned about Star Trek that you guys got together and were just kind of throwing out ideas and you have these crazy ideas of this being a gangster movie, which we've already kind of heard about that before, mm-hmm. but which kind of relates to a piece of the action. But the thing I, you know, the thing I just want to focus on here is if this, if Star Trek were a gangster movie and it sounds like from what he says, there'd be time travel stuff involved. 
So obviously it would be something where the Enterprise goes back in time to whatever, Chicago, New York, wherever. There's these gangsters. Is that a film you would want, Dan? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for different voices and different ideas in Star Trek. And, you know, I, I, I want to see the Quentin Tarantino movie. I want to see the Steven Spielberg Star Trek movie. I want. Yeah, absolutely. I'm on board. <laughs> I would love to see a Quentin Tarantino Star Trek movie. It may not fit Star Trek well if it's too violent, but I'm okay with something different. It may fit really well, which would be great. I don't know how I feel about the time travel thing. I'm kind of get, I mean, I like time travel, but I get, to me, that's used a little too much and gets a little old. I was hoping it would be more like a piece of the action, that they go back to that planet or it's the first time going to the planet and you really make that gangster movie from there. Why travel in time? Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of agree with, I'm just scrolling in this story on trekmovie.com here and I just got to the comments and I kind of agree with the very first comment that's featured here. And it says, still not sure it's a good idea, but boy, would I love to see it. So, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm all for it. Like, for me, I can say that like, oh, maybe they do time travel too much and that kind of thing. But if it's done well, I mean, Star Trek Four and Star Trek First Contact are still two of my favorite Star Trek films. So, you know, if it's done well, it can work really, really well. So, yeah, I, I'd, I'd see it. I'd love it. Or I'd, I'd hope I'd love it, I mean. But, uh, you know, I'd at least try and enjoy it as much as I could. That's the thing. I mean, if it, if there's a movie that I don't really care for the concept, but it's done really well, then yeah, I'm sold, you know, as long as something is done well. But yeah, I would love to see a Star Trek gangsta movie that by Quentin Tarantino. That just sounds like a wild trip. Yeah, I'd be really curious to see his take for sure. I want to visit the alternate timeline where this movie has already come out. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think I read in this article, I'm looking at trekmovie.com, like you said, where the comments were and stuff. But before that, in the article, I think Mark L. Smith said something about there's probably still a 10% chance that this could happen. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting. That's higher than I would have assumed. So eh, you never know, maybe. Yeah. He says, fingers crossed that he will get so bored that he's going to do it. Well, it's one thing that he wants to do. It's another thing that they let him do it too, you know? So mm -hmm. I can't imagine them saying no. I mean, yeah, it's Quentin I mean, Tarantino, right? <laughs> you have somebody of that caliber. Who, yeah, I. they would make it happen, I think, if he was really wanting to do it and really on board. But that's the thing, uh, saying, figures crossed that he'll get so bored that he's going to do it. That That's kind of the thing with Tarantino. I think he's a little bit flighty, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, maybe he'll do it, maybe he won't. He kind of does his own thing, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Quentin, if you're listening, Rain Wilson may be knocking on your door wanting you to feature Harry Mudd in it, too. <laughs> By the way, I also want to live in the alternate timeline where uh, David Cronenberg, Quentin Tarantino, Rain Wilson, and Kenneth Mitchell all listen to our podcast because that sounds awesome, too. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if they're listening to this, I'm like, don't you have better things to do? <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, well. But hey, you know, we're just glad that anybody who's listening is listening. We hope you enjoy the show. And, you know, we always love your feedback. So go and give us a written review and five stars over there on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that you can review and tweet it out to anybody about Positively Track and help people discover our show so we can get more people on board. We can all have this community of Positive Trek vibes out there in the world. Absolutely. Yeah, right right there with you. Uh, I love the positive side of Star Trek fandom and the community we've built of our listeners, I think are some of the best listeners on the internet and just the, my favorite Star Trek fans. Here, here. I agree. Well, Dan, if those fans want to follow you, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Kurtrats. That's just Star Trek backwards. You can also find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash Kurtrats productions And of course, in the Positively Trek discussion group on Facebook, which is my favorite place to hang out and talk about Star Trek. I'm still on the road right now, as you can probably tell from the echoey hotel room audio that I've got going on here. Uh, But I try and pop in there. Even if I'm not commenting, I'm at least lurking and seeing what other people are posting and stuff. And I'm on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. That's Admiral with the underline Rex. And I'm occasionally on the Star Wars Report podcast and have been guesting recently on Literary Treks. So check those out. Well, you know, I guess that's about it, Dan, unless there's something else you want to talk about. I don't think so. I think we covered it. A lot of of news this week, uh, which is always fun. And I, I think this is like a special Star Trek Discovery episode news week. With, the, with a little bit of Quentin Tarantino tagged on the end. I like that. I like the sound of that, yes. So, well, we hope everyone who did go to the 55-year mission had a great time. Love to hear your stories. Keep putting stuff out there so we can read it online. And so we can feel like we were somewhat part of that. And, of course, all the great cosplay that was going on there. But uh, hopefully I'll get to see some of you in Chicago in April. We'll see how things go. So. Well, anyway, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks to our patrons. If you want to follow us and help us on Patreon, just go to patreon.com and search for Positively Trek, and we would really appreciate your support. And so for everyone listening, thank you and stay positive. Yay. Yeah, and we want to welcome everyone to Positively Trek. I'm Bruce Stanton. I'm sorry, who? Who are you? (laughs) I don't know. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.